With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Richie, and before we start the show, we want to tell you about our friends at DraftKings and DraftKings.com. If you are outside of the state of Arizona, Super Bowl 55 is this week, everybody, on Sunday, the big game. If you download the DraftKings app right now and you use the promo code THPN to enter the free $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge, everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing, so you got to use that promo code THPN right now. And with Super Bowl 55, Chiefs. Versus Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. All you have to do to get your share of these massive prizes is to enter the Super Bowl Prediction Challenge. If you download the app, you make some predictions, and you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so you know they know a thing or two about big Paydays. That's DraftKings, DraftKings.com, promo code THPN. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. You've probably been seeing our face all over Twitter and every single other social because of the fact that we did a um, THPN cupcake challenge. Um, we'll be talking about that soon. And uh, But first, I have to introduce, as always, but this time a little extra specially, because this episode drops on his birthday, the big three-o that he can't celebrate the way that we would like to due to COVID, but so we still have to give him a massive shout out. Happy birthday, Richie Suave Flores. Thank you, Corey. I don't know how exactly I'm supposed to be feeling at the moment because I was having an existential crisis over the last couple months knowing that my 30th birthday would be coming up just around the corner. So I think now that I am actually 30, I, I'm okay with it. I'll, sur- I'll survive. Um, now that my 20s are over, it's just another day in the, in the life of Richie Suave. And, um, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll survive. You know, it's, uh, and then I'll think about being old at another time. But I'm very happy that, you came over on Saturday when we did our cupcake video and you brought me and Kat our birthday gifts and you got me some more whiskey, which I I needed because I'm out of whiskey right now. So I very much appreciate that. Thank you. And you also got me some more whiskey glasses 
more Glenn Karen glasses, of course, which for those of you in the sport nation that don't know is the, a very specific type of glass that is meant for whiskey because it, it, the way it's shaped, it is, it helps you in the entire experience in terms of the, the, uh, how it, uh, smells the, the, the nose of it and then the taste of it too. So thank you very much. I appreciate, I appreciate your gifts and I love you for that. Uh, so thank you sporty nation for any of the birthday wishes you guys have sent me today or beforehand. I appreciate it. And, uh, I'm glad we get to do an episode on my birthday. That's very exciting. Yeah. The timing just ended up being perfect. And I'm so glad you love your birthday present. Yeah. I know that you and Kat were both um, a little apprehensive about um, about this birthday, which to me, I don't know, it's funny, maybe I'll feel a little bit different when I get there. Um, I always feel like every time I tell you guys this, you guys are always like, oh, whatever, because, you know, I'm, I'm the, the one who's 26 in the group. So um, I think you guys always kind of take it with a grain of salt, but I just feel like it means absolutely nothing because like, you know, Kat's birthday was on the 25th, so she's technically already been 30. It does not change what we do in life, um, what we have done in the first couple days of her being 30 is shove an entire cupcake in our mouth in one fail swoop and uh, then posted it all over the internet. So in all honesty, not much has changed. And uh, I, I don't think this is really going to be anything other than purely a number for both of you. And so I got both of you very sentimental gifts in that way. And um, largely... I got those for Richie because of the fact that he makes fun of me for the fact that I don't have proper whiskey glasses. And so um, I wanted to make sure that he had the proper amount of them. So anytime I ever have whiskey at his house, I can drink out of the correct glass and I can I can do it properly instead of giving him crap for being so um, particular about his glasses. I'm I'm supporting his uh bougie whiskiness i can't take back things like shooting um expensive whiskey at comic-con that's stuff i can't take away but i can try and help uh the classiness of the our whiskey consumption in the future and i'm also really excited about that because for christmas my parents got me a whiskey barrel Basically, like a little one that is meant to like distill whiskey, basically to age it over the course of a few months in a, in an oak barrel. So I I might take this opportunity. You got me Gentleman Jack bourbon, which shout out to you for getting a bourbon too. I don't know if you did that intentionally. I feel like you did because you know that bourbon is my favorite type of whiskey. So oh, I stood in Bevmo. And I stood there with Scotty and I was like, okay, which one? And then we started going through and we were like trying to, and, and we were, we ended up on Gentleman Jack at the very end of it all, but it was, it was a whole discussion in BevMo. So, yeah. So I, what I might do is take the Gentleman Jack and I might put it in my whiskey barrels to use and age it and see what happens. Or I could wait a little bit and grab a buy a cheap wine and let the wine age in the whiskey barrel for a couple of months and then 
and then finish off and then put the whiskey in there. So that way it has a blend of the, the bourbon with the wine. I think that'd be a fun little experiment to do. It would take a while. Like we're talking, I won't be able to drink this whiskey for the for six until six months from now type of, of timeline we're looking at. Cause it doesn't happen overnight, obviously, but it will be a fun little experiment to do. And uh, who knows? Maybe I'll do that. If you have suggestions, Sporty Nation, about what I should age in my whiskey barrels, let me know. You can do like a half birthday celebration. I can. Yes. Actually, you know what? If I did, if I started it now, it might just be ready for your birthday. Oh, shit. You're right. I forget that I am literally because I am three three and a half, right? Three and a half years younger than uh, Kat and Richie. And so I forget that I, I hit that half year because their birthdays are in uh, the end of January, beginning of February, respectful, respectively. And then um, I am July 5th. So yeah, you, you are correct. It would be, um, it, it would be basically around the time of my birthday. We could have a, a full-blown, like, 4th July banger with that stuff. Yes, f- fingers crossed. Fingers crossed, though. Uh, COVID gets a little bit better by then. But, yeah, two and a half months with the wine, two and a half months with the whiskey. I think that I think that would work out perfectly well. Damn. I think you have a plan, Richie. That's that's pretty good. I didn't even expect that. I'd had no idea. That's what your parents got when I got you the whiskey. I just, um, you know, I just know how bougie you are. And so instead of making fun of it for once, I'm embracing it and encouraging you to go as bougie as possible. And I, I didn't know that you're going to take it to a whole new level by aging it yourself. It's damn impressive. I'm I'm committed to the craft, and eventually, eventually, maybe I'll make my own bourbon. You never know. I'll I'll pull a Ian Somerhalder and Paul Wesley, and and just make my own, which would be really cool. If I win the lot- lottery, maybe cool. I'll maybe I'll do that. I'll I'll get in touch with the distillery and be like, hey, I want to make my own bourbon. I feel like in if we were to make like a sporty bourbon, it would be very much like that situation where. Um, if, if you've heard the story for it, like Ian Summerhalder is like, you know, combining a bunch of shit together, trying to make it taste good and everything. And then Paul Wesley would just like go over to his house and taste it. I feel like I would be the Paul Wesley in the situation and you would be the Ian Summerhalder and you'd be the one that's like the mad scientist. And I'm just like, yeah, this shit's, this shit's good. Uh, yep. That's exactly what it would be. So who knows? Maybe... Maybe that will be coming in the future. You never know. If we win the lottery, maybe we'll do that. Or maybe we could start it with our stimulus checks, which will be arriving at some point in the near future. So we hope. Because that's <laughs> that would be like $2,800 right there. And that's that's enough to start a little – do make a startup or something. What is a, What was that whole thing that people used to do? Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Is Kickstarter still a thing? Yeah. Oh. Yes, it is. So is Go, yeah, GoFundMe too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew about GoFundMe. I guess I always think about GoFundMe more of like ways of like, uh, you know, someone sick or, or something. Indiegogo or Indiegogo, too. Indiegogo is the other one. I have never heard of that in my life. Yeah, Indiegogo is the campaign that Stephen Amell and Robbie Mel used for Code 8. 
to fund their movie. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that ended up being a good movie. Uh, and I know that they, I had no idea that that's what they use though. Um, I know Kickstarter because that's how they made the Veronica Mars movie. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is very true. So there you go. In case you guys didn't know, apparently both of those have been used to make pretty solid movies. <laughs> Should we, we have one more thing to talk about before we get to, to some hockey, which, and you did, you briefly mentioned it, but if you haven't already, you can go to our Twitter, Instagram, YouTube pages, and you can check out our cupcake challenge. And it was interesting to say the least. And I think my biggest takeaway from it is that our 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 pal cat is is like a monster. Like I don't know how she managed to down the whole thing like she did with like without any like no problem at all. Whereas like you and I like had to kind of like you know figure out a way to make it work. Cat's just like all right, done. Oh yeah, she was um the best tweet was Craig Morgan saying Two were still stuffing and one was already digesting. Because it's basically what it was. She was like already digesting it. And the worst part is she had to taunt us while after she put it in her like after she was able to just kind of down the entire cupcake, she looked at both of us like, I don't see what the problem is. And it started making me laugh. So then I was trying not to spit the cupcake back out. <laughs> it was it was kind of brutal that sense was i was like stop making noises because it's making me laugh and making me want to spit the cupcake back out so um it actually made it a little bit harder in that regard but yeah cat was was damn impressive with it i didn't think that i would do well with it and and i did okay um i i think me and you did relatively decent we were still able to successfully do it without too much uh pain and suffering yeah, it's uh, it just it took some doing though because, well, I think you and I both had the same technique, which was we needed cat Lori just put it all in her mouth at at one time and didn't have to shove it in. I feel like you and I both had to shove the rest of the cupcake in. Like I got most of it in, uh, like most of the frosting part, and then I kind of bit into it, but I bit off too much, and then I need to use my the rest of my hands to like shove the rest of it in and keep it in while I kept chewing. So it was a long process, but it worked. It was kind of a similar process to how your like your Joey Chestnuts of the world during the hot dog contest. They do the same thing sometimes, where they shove the buns in their mouth and they have to like keep it down. Well, that's what I discovered. The thing that was kind of the the easiest way to do it is like to just kind of like swallow the frosting first, and then you can like make room for the. Uh, the rest of the cake. Um, Kat did it in a strategic way that I, I hadn't thought of, which was she used her tongue to split it down the middle and put it into her cheeks like a chipmunk. And then she slowly started taking pieces of the cupcake from each side of her cheek and eating them. It's like, um, sunflower seeds. You know how you put like a bunch of sunflower seeds in your mouth and you put them over on a side and then you like slowly eat them. That's what Kat did with this. And I, I don't even know how she had the intelligence to like go through that whole process. I was just trying not to throw up 
in the whole thing. And she had like a whole staged out plan. It was very impressive. And I'm glad all of us got through it and we did a good job of it. And now we are getting everybody else in the Hockey Podcast Network to do it. By the time you you listen to our show on Monday, there probably have been others that have done it. State of Hoppy from the Soda Paw was the first to do it. He did a great job of it. Others, I believe, coming down the pike. Uh, Bayou Benders said he's in. Uh, Shane from uh, the Ottawa Senators podcast is in. I believe Neil from the Devils podcast is in. And I, I believe the guys from – the uh, Stick and Rink Canucks podcast have something funny up their sleeve. And, of course, hopefully by now, the Brews and Bruins guys, all three of the guys from that show who are hilarious, um, I think they're going to take up the challenge too. I'm excited to see everybody's videos roll in and see how we stack up. If you want to follow along, we're trying to use the hashtag THPN Cupcake Challenge. You can follow the network at HockeyPodNet too. Everybody's will retweet it and HockeyPodNet will retweet it. And uh, we're, it's a movement, everybody. It's a movement. You can join too if you wanna if you wanna partake in it. Why not? Send us your videos at Corey underscore Richie Show, and uh, and yeah, let us know what's 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 uh, if you can take down a cupcake in one bite. I do have one caveat though. You can't just eat one of the little bite sized ones. That's cheating. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely cheating. So don't do that. Although it'd be funny. I, I, I was joking with you last night. I was like, I kind of want to do the smaller one just because it would be hilarious. <laughs> just just to like, oh, yeah, look how easy this was. I know. That's why I made uh, Hockey Troll um, literally respond to me. I'm not kidding you. He sent me a picture of his cupcake next to a can of Truly and with a ruler next to it to show me the exact height. And then next to the can, I was able to see the precise width of the cupcake and to know how big the cupcake was um, when he ate it. So I um, I will give them props because I was I was concerned that they were going to do that same thing. The how this whole started was whole thing started was because I had um, exposed on Twitter how I eat a cupcake, which is I take the bottom half of the uh, cake part um, and I put it on the top and I make essentially like a frosting sandwich with the cupcake. And I asked if anyone else does it or is it weird? Uh, My boyfriend thinks I'm a psycho for eating it that way. Um, And uh, so did my boss. My my boss literally told me that I I was probably a psychopath for eating it that way. Um, But... So when I put it on there, he said the only proper way is to eat it in one swift bite. And I didn't believe that he could do it. So um, I challenged him to. And um, and so when I challenged him to do it, he, he did it with, um, with Polly Cupcakes, who has cupcakes in his own name. And um, they ate it in one swift bite and so we were kind of screwed we had to do it after that i did not eat a cupcake that was the same size i had like one of those nice cupcakes that people make um so it had a lot of frosting this is not those type of like super nice ones um i think uh, what was it state of hoppy did one of the nothing bunt cupcakes um 
so there's been different ones done, but the the most traditional ones we found that are like still capable of of doing, but um, are still like relatively large size. It's like the normal ones that you would go buy. Like we bought the ones that were for like Valentine's Day, like the like plain store bought ones that they do for like every holiday. And they were delicious cupcakes. We still had the rest of them here at the humble abode of which are basically that was all that was our basically our our birthday um cats on my birthday's um uh cake too so we have plenty of cupcakes left sporting nation just so you know i'm actually about to eat one here momentarily uh, at some point during the podcast but um let's move on to uh the coyotes they are beginning their road trip here I believe tomorrow as they're taking on the the St. Louis Blues and it will be a kind of a long road trip for the team uh and it's going to last all the way through February 11th so it'll be about a 10-day trip St. Louis two games Minnesota two games over Super Bowl weekend and then Colorado for two games it's going to be a a very tough road trip for the Coyotes as they go up some of the best teams so far in the Western division. But before we move on to the road trip ahead, we need to uh, get our quick thoughts on the second game of the, the Anaheim series where the Coyotes won three to two. And it was a much needed win for the team who had gone seven straight periods without a goal and then they broke out for three goals in the second and third period. Got a nice performance from Darcy Kemper. Got some puck luck on a couple of the goals, too. And it was a nice way to end that little bit of a homestand there as they head out on the road. And in my opinion, it was a must-win game, and, and they got the win they, that they so desperately needed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they're now 3-4-1 and one in eight games. They're 22nd in the league, and they're 7th in the division. Um now they they've moved their way out of that bottom spot, which is nice to see because um, that's not where any of us thought the Coyotes would be or want the Coyotes to be. Uh, uh, it's very small sample size, obviously. It's only been eight games, but in a shortened season, as we've mentioned before, um, it still makes a big difference. So, um, I, like Richie said, it was definitely a must-win game, and it was a must score for them because of the fact that they had been shut out for two games in a row and that you could tell they were having confidence issues and they were really struggling to find kind of that that flow that they needed in order to be a scoring team again and once they get into these little droughts like this it's sometimes extremely hard for them to get out of them and so uh, I was honestly a little bit worried to see how long it would go for before they, um, you know, they were able to. And I, it's funny, I had tweeted it out, but I don't remember exactly what the minutes were. It was it was like a, 148 minutes or something like that where the Coyotes had gone without scoring. And it is, and we've said it in the past couple episodes especially, it is nothing new or nothing strange to the coyotes because of the fact that they tend to have these scoring lulls for a very long time and you really don't know how they'll get out of it and it's 
going to, I think, haunt them for the rest of the season. And I'd really like to say that it won't, but I just kind of feel like it's here to stay, even though um, we did see them score, you know, a fair amount in this last game. It, it took them definitely, um, you know, a, a greasy goal in order to, to break that seal, but then they started actually getting pretty solid shots and actually, um, you know, making some, some proper movement on the power play and from going low to high and, and actually setting those plays up as opposed to just flinging the puck in the net, which is one of their issues that they constantly have. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, especially playing St. Louis, who's been playing relatively decently as of late. Yeah, and uh, this is a very – the reason why this road trip is so big is because you're looking at coming up close on being almost a quarter of the way through the season, which, you know, is basically about the 13 or 14 game mark, right? So you you have six games against three teams who are currently in the playoffs right now, and if you come out of that with a better than 50% points percentage – that's goes a long way into gaining ground on those teams. And this could be a, a big difference maker and to really kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. Cause right now the Coyotes are three points back of Colorado and Minnesota and two points back of St. Louis as we're recording on Saturday night. So this is going to change probably by the time the Coyotes take the ice on Tuesday. But if they're able to get a better than 50% points percentage out of that and make up some ground and stay in it, um, that's a good thing. And if they get below 50% and they lose ground and they're still stuck in sixth and seventh place a quarter of the way through the season, that's when you're looking at it starting to get tough in terms of getting them into the playoffs. Because as I mentioned prior to the season, most of the time in the full 82-game season, if you're in the playoff spot, quarter of the way through the season, you're going to make it at about a 75 to 80% rate. So a very big key is, is the, uh, these, these six games coming up. And I hope that they kind of did in a way, set the tone against, against Anaheim. Cause you're right. They had some kind of wacky ass goals go their way. Right. And it was a lot of, of goals where it was, you know, kind of, getting guys in in position in front of the net to get weird deflections and 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 weird bounces off of, off of players and skates and and uh and the only way you do that a lot of times is is by earning it and I thought the Coyotes for the most part earned it and they outshot Anaheim something like it was 12 to 1 in the second period they outshot Anaheim that's where they kind of set the tone for the rest of the game was in that in that second period and um it was it was a big win because now you know I, I was reading some Rick Tockett quotes on sa- after Saturday's practice before they they take off to um to go to St. Louis and Rick Tockett said about the practice on Saturday he said it was a, a top a top A practice he really liked their practice on Saturday um and Connor Garland said the same thing. He said there was no dip on our pace, and uh, and I, that's that's important. Is because 
you know, I think Rick Tockett mentioned that after the game on against Anaheim there. He mentioned that they were going to have to clean up some things, and the way, best way to do that is in practice. And uh, and so that's a good thing. When you're going out on the road to get a good practice in underneath you, uh, that Rick Tockett, that your head coach likes, I like that. And, um, and it gives this team a, a good spirit going forward because, number one, we do know that I believe OEL is skating now. He's going to be back out on the road trip with them. So is Auntie Ranta. He's back of IR. He's going to be on the road trip with the team, and I expect Ranta to get a, at least a starter or two in this coming up in the six-game stretch here. So yeah, that who knows? Maybe the Anaheim game could be their launching point for more success here coming up on the road trip. But I think we'll find out really quickly to see how they stack up against St. Louis in the and uh, as far as it goes for the rest of the six games. Absolutely, I feel like we were able to see um, this team against teams that aren't so great. So you know, um, up against the Sharks and the Ducks, um, Gibson is great for the Ducks, but the team itself is is not the greatest team. So. You're able to see the Coyotes up against these lower level teams that sometimes they do tend to play down to. And then we were able to see the Coyotes up against a top tier team um, with the Golden Knights. It's going to be interesting to see them playing someone, you know, more in the middle and seeing if they play up to them and really are able to keep up and not get frustrated and it, they need to have consistent scoring. They're not going to, you're not going to win games in the NHL without consistently scoring. And uh, there's only so much that Darcy Kemper and Auntie Ranta can do. They kept the scoring low in, in both the games that um, the the Coyotes were shut out in. They, there was a, they only allowed for a goal in each game. So they're doing their job. It's more of the fact of, can um, can they score and do their job offensively? And I, I think it will be something that we will be talking about throughout the rest of this season. And um, I, the, the other thing I kind of wanted to talk about, which I thought was interesting from that game in particular, was uh, one, I wanted to give some props to Connor Garland and the fact that he has been killing it with with his play, with his energy on the ice, and um, him just kind of giving it his all this season. I would really like to see that same effort from everyone else on the ice, to be honest with you, because he has gotten to this point where he, even if he's not able to do something big, he's going to try and get under people's skin. And he definitely did that with Gibson um, in that second game against the Ducks. Um, because Gibson full blown went out of his crease and jumped on Connor Garland after he was chirping him a little bit. The most interesting part of it though, was the fact that apparently uh, they have decided that chirping is now a penalty and Garland also went to the box for that. That was really funny. And we have no idea what was said. They didn't make Connor Garland available after the game. So I, I, I'm not 100% sure what Connor Garland said to John Gibson at that point. Rick Tockett kind of said the same thing. He's like, I don't know what was said. I, I, I'm i not going to – he basically was like, I'm not going to criticize the officials. 
he was just as he was kind of confused as to why Connor Garland got a penalty there, and so was everybody. Uh, but the best part of that was <laughs> was uh, and Cat tweeted this out um, the screenshot of John Gibson's eyes when Connor Garland skates by him and he tries to go tackle him with his with his glove hand there. Just just hilarious. <laughs> he had like complete anger in his eyes. And you have to wonder if some of that is coming from the fact that he has no one really supporting him on the ducks. You know, he's like getting irritated by his own team. And so he's taking it out in that way. Like he had just simply had enough at that point. Um, and it was really funny to see it broken down slowly, slowly how he was getting more and more angry to the point of, of attack. It was full blown like a cat where, you know, you could just see the intent was there and then he was going to pounce. And, um, I think I said it was like a little kid whose sibling told on them to their parents because 100% is soon as he realized what was being said, he immediately turned and wanted some vengeance, but it's, that type of stuff, everyone has, you know, a player that really gets under people's skin. And I feel like there really hasn't been anyone on the Coyotes that steps up and takes that role. So it's really nice to see Connor Garland really do that because you it's necessary. I always kind of complain when I'm when I'm watching Ryan Reeves because he just kind of annoys the shit out of me in that regard. And and I always complain about it every time I kind of have to see him because like his attitude almost makes me like irritated just watching it my boyfriend's like yeah but that's his job you know like that is what he is there to do and that's how he helps his that's one of the ways he helps his team is by getting under people's skin and and taking them off their game and as much as the coyotes have a really hard problem with getting back on their game after they've been knocked off which is 100 what happened after um the icing situation after that happened, it really threw them off their game for a while. And so it and since it took them that long to get back into it, they really need to also put in that mentality where they are starting to get under team skin. So they're not the only ones that are getting thrown off their game and and there's that level of fight. Um, that they kind of need because they tend to go back to being a very soft team and that is not going to win you any championships and it's never going to get you in any playoffs by playing soft. So um, I'd really love to see more people taking Connor Garland's uh, torch there and carrying it on and really just putting in that extra effort and getting under some people's skin and uh, really creating um that type of intensity in their game i agree they need more pests i think that's a good way to describe Connor garland kind of like brad marchand does for the bruins but he backs it up with his talent too where every time he steps on, and same thing with um with tom wilson too with the washington capitals tom wilson much dirtier player than than brad marchand but every time they step on the ice you just know they're going to piss somebody off. And I think Connor Garland's getting to that level where he's just he's just getting it to be annoying on the ice for opposing teams. And you're right. I wish the Coyotes had more of that in them because they're going to need it if they want to frustrate teams to 
for and make teams make more mistakes to allow the Coyotes to score more goals because that's how the Coyotes are going are the Coyotes are going to need that to happen to score more goals is for other teams to make more mistakes and create opportunities for the Coyotes to score. So yeah, Connor Garland to me again can't say enough about him. He's been the most fun player to watch on the team this year, and if I'm not mistaken. I believe he still has the team lead in points, if I'm not mistaken, at the moment. Let me take a look here. Uh, nope. Oh, yes, While he you're does. looking at that, I would like He's to say. Christian I would Connor like. To... Oh, very nice. I, I would like to say on your thing about uh, Marshy is the fact that uh, it, it is COVID, though, so let's not be licking anybody's faces. This is true. Yes. <laughs> We can't we can't have anyone go to the level of, of licking people's faces. I think that's that's where you've gone too far. I I agree. That was disgusting. Albeit hilarious, but disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh I and that's what I one hundred percent agree on on everything you say about being thoroughly impressed with Connor Garland's game this season, it's he's definitely brought it to another level. And the fact that he, who was it that you said that he was tied with? Christian Dvorak. That's awesome. Like it, it's the fact that he is, you know, putting in the effort, extra effort and energy and agitating players and still being a top producer on the team is, is, he not only talks shit, but he, you know, backs it up with his play. And that is definitely something I would like to see out of a lot more of uh, this team. And maybe that's the little extra oomph that they need. The, you know, the fake it till you make it. The little extra bit of confidence that they just need to push them over the edge to try and, and keep that up through the rest of the season. And yeah, one quick thing on Christian Dvorak. Very important for him to have the game he did against Anaheim and score those two goals because I thought he got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. Coming off of a season last year where he was finally healthy and I believe he set his career high in goals last year. I think he had 15 or 16 of them. And for him to have two goals like that and to get on the score sheet and to be leading this team in points is very important for this team going forward. And... And you you love to see it. I love watching Christian Dvorak play. I think he's a a really good player in this league in terms of a, a really good center. And like we already mentioned, his his faceoff percentage this year has been uh, pretty good too. So anyway, uh, any anything else on the on the Coyotes front before we get to random shit? Um, the only other thing that I kind of was noticing online is this talk about uh, whether Rick Tockett's job is on the line. I don't particularly think so. It was funny. I even saw something about like, oh, well, who would take over, you know, if he was to be cut of his duties midway through the season? No way in hell that is going to happen. So I, I just kind of wanted to address those things. I don't really think that that's where they're looking at things right now. I um, I think uh, as a whole, they're more trying to figure out what pieces they need to round out this team and not necessarily looking at Rick Tockett and um, whether they want to replace him or not right now. 
Yeah, I think that's a discussion to be had after the season and not right now. I like Rick Tockett as a coach. I think he's a good coach. And he is in his contract year, so he will he doesn't have a contract after this season. So it is a very important season for him. But I think this team is going to be judged on whether or not they make the playoffs. So if they make the playoffs, I think there's an argument to be made that he gets to keep his job for another couple of years and allow him to see what he can do under a kind of a rebuilt Bill Armstrong roster. But if you don't make the playoffs, I think Bill Armstrong is looking at this as a way to bring in a coach who is his coach in a way, like a lot of general managers like to do. They like to bring in a coach who is going to pertain to their philosophy a lot more. But again, I think that's a conversation that's going to be had after the season and not now. Exactly. That's a, I, I feel the exact same way. It's going to be something that will be discussed when the season's over. There, there's no way in hell that he's he's going anywhere until the end of the season, for sure. So that was... Um, I just wanted to kind of state that I don't think anything will happen anytime soon. If if he is gone, it will definitely be something that happens postseason, and it will highly, highly depend on how the team does through the rest of the season. And we are only eight games in, so you know there's plenty of time for them to turn it around. Um, contrary to what you know, some people might believe. Um, it's a shortened season, but they still have plenty of games to uh, hit their stride. Yes, they do. Indeed. All right. Are you ready for some random shit? I got three hilarious stories for you this time. Absolutely. Okay. Let's begin in Australia where a woman who shared how she prepares lunch for her boyfriend has been slammed by people online who couldn't understand why he didn't make it himself. The woman posted a video showing off the elaborate lunches she makes for her boyfriend. It's got more than 400,000 views on TikTok, and she's seen preparing a lunchbox for her partner before he heads off to work. Now, but one... What she wasn't expecting was to receive so much criticism from viewers who said she shouldn't be making it for him like he's her child. One of the lunches she put together included two yogurts, dried apricots, and banana chips, salami, grapes, cheese, crackers, popcorn, and a chocolate bar. And a chocolate bar. I mean, it is very... um kiddish and the fact that she put like a bunch of a different variety of things because like you know you want kids to have a well-rounded diet but you also want them to have a bunch of different options because like things they don't do and don't like and whatnot so it is kiddish in that way i mean i for me it's like hard to judge you know i don't know what their relationship is i don't know how they like to do things maybe she finds a lot of joy in just making his um his meals that way maybe um you know maybe they were they were supposed to have a kid and had a miscarriage and and so this is like her way of dealing with it maybe you know it's just the way that she always was and that's how she makes her own lunch and so she likes to make him one that way it's very hard to say and i always think it's very funny that like online people always kind of jump to conclusions or always like that's weird just because you don't do it doesn't necessarily mean it's weird 
Um, I always joke around about things like, you know, um, my whole thing with the cupcake. Like, yeah, it's different and it's weird, but like, it's kind of my thing that that could be their thing. So, um, I don't know. I feel like it's hard for me to judge on that without knowing the whole context. And even if I did know the whole context, like, who am I to say that they shouldn't make their lunch a certain way? I agree. I think it's actually kind of adorable because I don't judge people for what they eat because I eat like a child, too. Even though I'm now 30 years old, I still enjoy a nice Lunchable every now and then or, you know, a bunch of microwave meals or my favorite pizza rolls for a snack. So I think it's actually kind of adorable and cute. Yeah, that's what I mean, like, it it could be that she's doing it and like if she posted it, then obviously she thinks that it's uh, like a sweet thing that she does. Like she gets enjoyment out of um, out of doing something sweet. And that's what um, one of the things that like I used to thoroughly enjoy in high school is it was getting out of school and my boyfriend would make me a sandwich. Like I would go over to his house and he'd would have sandwiches and we would sit and watch TV and eat sandwiches after school. It was like one of our favorite things. Maybe that is one of their things. And it if that is what brings them joy, then who are we to say anything about that? I, I agree. Speaking of judgmental people and judgmental things, another story where I think this is a, not just this particular story, This particular debate has popped up many times on the internet, but this is just the latest incarnation of it. Taking to Twitter, a woman named Alice, who goes by the handle at BackPainAndWine, that sounds like the ultimate handle for being in your 30s, if I do say so myself, asked her followers, help me settle a debate. Is it normal to shower with your back to the shower, not facing the water? Her question sparked a heated conversation between thousands of users, with many people saying they shower depends on whether they're washing their hair or just their body. A couple of the responses includes depending on if you're washing your hair or not, then back to shower when rinsing, otherwise face shower. And there said, surely everyone faces away or the water goes in your face. Now, I, I don't think there's a wrong way to shower. You can do whatever you want. I go back and forth depending on whatever it is like i always go because i don't know how i don't know how it is with with women when they wash their hair but at least with me anytime i'm washing my hair i have to go uh i go back to the shower because i i go i i don't want to risk getting any soap in my eyes so i was that's the most that's usually the only time i'm going back to the shower is if i'm washing my hair so that way I don't get any soap in my eyes. <laughs> who who doesn't do both? That's my question. Like, I I probably have my, my back to the shower probably for, like, most of the shower. Because, like, it, if you're female and you've got long hair, you're definitely not going to be facing the shower to wash your hair. That I don't even understand how that would possibly work. Um, you might as well at that point just turn on like the the bathtub part of it and then just like put your hair underneath the the faucet there because that just it's not that's not gonna work. 
And then um, the only time I, I guess I face face the water is to like wash my face and um, wash off the front of my body and stuff like that. But like, I feel like there's many directions that I'm in the shower, like on the side to the other side. Like there, there, I didn't know there was like a literally like a front and a back. I feel like you could be anywhere within a circle in the shower. How do you just I, have like a? There's not like a straight plane there. It's not like you're one side or the other. I I agree. I think the more interesting conversation is whether or not you shower every day. Because I've gotten into this conversation multiple times with Kenny and Crash, both off the air and on the air, and I I am a big time shower every day person because I feel like not showering. I feel like the act of taking a shower every day is part of what wakes me up in the morning. So I usually have to shower every day. I'm also a big shower in the morning person, never shower at night because I don't, I feel like showering at night and then sleeping in your, in what you sweat while you're sleeping, that's disgusting. So you're going to wake up with like ap- after sweating all night, whatever, even if it's cold, you're still, you're still sweat, you're st- whatever. So uh, those are my hot takes when it comes to showering every day and always in the morning. Um, I mean, I, you could you could do every day, you could do every other day. Um, I think it's it depends on certain factors. Like you know, if you worked out that day, um, if you live in Arizona and you're sweating balls all the time. Um, so I think it, it depends on those type of factors. Um, for women, it's it's different because we some of us like take one shower a day some of us take two showers a day some of us take like every other day but there's a process for washing our hair you don't wash your hair every single day or your hair gets dried out and and then you also have the process of dry shampoo you put dry shampoo in your hair until it builds up to the point where you're like oh this is kind of gross i need to wash my hair so that is part of it is um a, a cycle of when to wash your hair Um, but as for the sleeping or the taking a shower in the morning or at night, I'm a horrible morning person and, uh, me taking showers in the morning doesn't, doesn't really work for me very often. I don't particularly mind it. I'll do it sometimes, but I am a big night shower person because I find it very relaxing and they've actually like done studies and said that if you take like a warm shower, and you take it a certain amount of time before you go to bed, which I have to because I have to blow dry my hair or otherwise I'm sleeping with wet hair and that's just gross feeling. So um, if you take it, I think it's with it like half an hour. If you take it half an hour before you go to bed, your body goes from like the hot shower to being cold, which is like what you need to be at to go to sleep. You you didn't know that you need to be... um, cold to go to sleep so it actually helps you sleep if you take a shower before you go to bed i've actually read those same studies yes i remember that because actually you know what's funny i think i had a similar conversation about this on the freaks a couple months back and i brought up that same statistic and that same idea but i don't prescribe to it whatsoever funny thing is before we go you know um so 
Um, the only time I do not shower in the morning is if I'm feeling really fucking lazy and I'm, I feel like I'm going to run late. So for for example, today, Saturday, I have to be at the station at 9am. So I was like, man, I just want to get, I don't, and I don't have to be like around anybody at the station. So I can just like get up and put on some clothes and leave and not shower. So I did not shower today. So I broke my rule. But that's only because I wasn't around anybody. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing, too, is, like, in the morning, I'm in a rush. At night, I can take a shower with ease and not have to worry about how much time I have left to, like, get ready or any of that type of stuff. So I feel like it would be more stressful to take a shower in the morning. But, I mean, to each their own. Some people are that way. And, like, just, like, people, some people are morning people. I am not a morning person. That is not me in the slightest. I wake up super groggy and I look for the nearest coffee and then I have to sit in silence and wake up and then I'm finally okay for you to talk to me. But I am not one of those people that are super cheery and um, really ready to go with the morning. Uh, it takes me some time. Yeah, I yes, I think that goes for both of us is that both of us hate getting up in the morning. We're not morning people whatsoever. Staying up till 1 a.m. is a regular thing, but getting up prior to like, I don't know, 10 o'clock in the morning, not not ideal. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> My boss like gets up and she goes on runs in the morning. And like by the time I get into work, she's like, oh, well, I got up and took my kid to work and went for a five mile run and this and that. And I'm just like. You are an amazing creature. How do you do that? Like, I, it's so fascinating to me because I can't. Like, I could be doing stuff until 2 a.m. and be like, fine. But if you want me to do anything before 10 o'clock in the morning, nope. E even I went hiking. I, I adore hiking. It's one of the only things that I can really do in the morning. Um, I went... I got up at like 9.30 to go hiking and afterwards I was like, I am so tired. I'm exhausted. And it's just because of the fact that like I was hiking at 9.30 in the morning and I would have rather have woken up at like 10 o'clock. Even on my like work days, I'm just like, God, why do people work so early in the morning? I, yeah, I don't get it either. I don't, I don't get it either. Um, all right, anything anything else before we go? That's the end of random shit. That was two good stories for you, I think. Um, and then uh, and then this will be the end of my birthday episode. I was gonna say my last words for this episode is head on over to Twitter to at rflores91 and uh, give him a shout out for his birthday. Uh, happy birthday. Um, you don't have to add the age in there. We'll keep that on the DL, but uh, just, you know, throw a happy birthday out there for him. Thank you, Corey. Thank you very much for listening, Sporting Nation. Follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie Show for all the extravaganza, the latest on the THPN Cupcake Challenge, and more. Good luck to the Coyotes on the road trip. They started tomorrow on the road against the St. Louis Blues. We will talk to you again on Thursday, Sporting Nation. Good night and good hockey, everybody. And now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes.
Podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. I am one half of your Blue Notes team, Tom Franklin, joined by my teammates, the man called Wags. And we are your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. And that includes expert analysis, whether it's at Enterprise Center. When you're fighting for spots for the playoffs, one or two points could make the difference. And we'll be looking back at games like tonight here at Enterprise Center as lost opportunities. Or at home. Penalties, that was a big, big piece. You know, you're wearing down some of your best players because they're out on the the ice for so many penalty kill opportunities. Just a complete breakdown. Blue's first round pick, Jake Neighbors. Braden Chan texted me and then uh, the head coach, Craig Berube, reached out as well and um, Ryan O'Reilly as well. And then um, the next day on day two of the draft, uh, Tarasenko FaceTimed me. So uh, that was pretty cool. (laughs) And we're the only hockey podcast in the Hockey Podcast Network to have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent. The Hawaii Blues fan, Guy Bensing. In true Dan Kelly fashion, Dan Kelly says, F you, Keaton. I know who's the starting pitcher for game four of the World Series. You damn well know who the starting goalie is for game four of the NHL season. And then walked away. And we have a musician, too. Not only is he responsible for this fat beat you're listening to right now, but he has also performed absolute works of art. And it seems to me you played the game with a candle to your ear. Never wanting to leave the eyes when the pain set in. So check out Blue Notes wherever you get your podcast from. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump. Listen to Blue Notes and always play to the whistle. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. 